Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you guys once again for joining the 980s podcast hosted by yours truly, Kevin Thompson, founder and CEO of 9i Capital Group. Thank you guys for joining us. As I always say, subscribe to the channel. As I always say, go and get my book, Get My Beat of CFP, live on Apple and Amazon. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at info at 9icapitalgroup.com. Send us your questions or you can go to the website at www.9icapitalgroup.com. Schedule an appointment. As you know, we're here to do what? Educate empower and engage and today we have bethany mclean an award-winning journalist and co-author of all the devils are here known for her insightful investigative work in the world of finance bethany has played a pivotal role in unraveling complex stories including the intricacies of the 2008 financial crisis so without further ado bethany mclean We have Bethany McLean here, author or co-author of All the Devils Are Here. I appreciate your time today in the bitter cold of Chicago. I understand what's going on. We just had that big front come through. But thank you so much for your time today and this discussion. Thanks for having me. So I want to tell you this before we get started. Um, I am a beneficiary of what we're going to, to discuss today. And what I mean by a beneficiary is that I was one of the individuals that got those loans from a countrywide or got those loans from those subprime uh, lending institutions. So, I mean, let's just start here. The, 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 the title of the book, how did you come up with the title of the book? All the devils are here. So to be honest, I've never been great with coming up with headlines for pieces I write or titles. So my publisher, uh, my editor actually came up with the title and it's a line from Shakespeare, The Tempest, Hell is Empty and All the Devils Are Here. And it seemed to me to fit to us to fit the book perfectly because I think we always want to find the villain, the person who made it all happen to us, who made it all go wrong. And the reality is life is often more complicated than that. And the villains themselves are often multifaceted. And it's not that easy to find a single person to point the, the finger at. Absolutely. And and again, you you've your book kind of explains exactly some of the I guess some of the devils <laughs> that were that were involved in the process, but like I mentioned before, I was a benefactor of those uh, those th that new world of easy easy money, easy lending, getting getting at home to people that are were were system sy systemically were pushed out of that world. So when I in two thousand five, I got a house five percent down. Uh, they gave me a loan. I bought a home. So without all of the stuff that you discuss in this book, that may not have been possible, right? I mean, all of the things that, it, it, it was designed to be good, but then it kind of went the wrong direction. Is that is that, is that right? Well, I think so, but to a couple of thoughts on that. One is that it it is always, most things that go wrong in the world of business are things being taken to an extreme. Mm -hmm. They're not the idea itself. And the core idea of making homeowners possible for a more diverse group of people is really, really important. Homeownership has always been a key source of how, how one builds wealth. Mm -hmm. And if you deprive people 
of that opportunity, you're depriving people who deserve the chance, who may look a little bit unconventional. Um, if you deprive people of that chance to build build wealth, that, 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 that's a big thing, and particularly in a country where we don't do a lot to provide for the elderly. Early. If you don't own your home, what 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 happen what happens to you? Mm -hmm. So that's one thought. But the more important one, I think the more the more germane one, and I apologize, I have dogs and sometimes they start howling. Oh, the more germane fine. one is that is that the crisis was not caused by by first time home buyers like mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. If that had been if those if you and people like you had been the people who got subprime mortgage loans, we never would have had a crisis. Mm -hmm. First time home buyers were a really small part of the bad loans. Most of it was cash out refis, so people taking out a mortgage on their home in order to pull out cash, and investors who were going crazy buying second and third and fourth homes because they thought they could flip them and and make money. So if the country had said if the government had said these loans only go to first-time home buyers because that's what we're trying to encourage, we never would have had a crisis. Mm -hmm. The reality is everybody everybody was getting something out of the other kind of loans being made. It was helping to fuel the economy. Wall Street was making a ton of money out of it. Politicians could look at it and say, "Look at this go-go-go economy we've we've got." So no one wanted to rein in the other the other kinds of loans. Yeah, and you mentioned that. Um... You know, you had the CM, like the collateralized mortgage debt, uh, the mortgage-backed securities, all those esoteric vehicles that had nothing to do with the actual person that, like myself, that was buying a home. It was these guys on Wall Street. So, looking back, like, what are some of the what are some of the key lessons um, that that or insights that you got from the financial crisis that are still relevant today? Well, I think one of the most important ones is that you have to be really careful of what Wall Street and the government is selling mm -hmm. because it's not always good for you. And so in the years running up to the financial crisis and still today, both Wall Street and the government were selling debt. You could I remember driving through the streets of Chicago after the financial crisis and seeing a banner flapping in the wind from Chase. And it said, let your home take you on vacation. Wall Street was selling the idea that debt, that debt is good for you. And you know this. The reality is debt can be helpful in, 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 in life used sparingly and used thoughtfully. But debt mostly benefits Wall Street. If you, if you go in debt. It mostly benefits the people giving you the debt. And it benefits politicians because if you go in debt, you spend, that makes the economy look better. And they get to say, look at this great economy we're creating. So that's so that's that's the first lesson is just be 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 careful of what of what of what of what you're being of what you're being sold on a very personal finance level. Um I think I think the second one is that you know, I'm I'm a capitalist in the sense that I believe that it's the best possible system for economy or the worst possible. It's like the old Winston Churchill line. It's the worst possible thing with the possible exception of everything else that's been tried. Mm -hmm. But capitalism depends on a level of people, a, a morality in a sense of people being willing to thinking that doing the right thing is important. Oh, that subprime mortgage broker not giving someone a loan they can't pay back because it's not the right thing to do. And I fear that we've lost that morality. Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I don't know what the next shoe is to drop. And I, and I know we're kind of going off top because I get real, real <laughs> emotional about these things, especially in my own community. Um, you have companies that are buying up all these single family homes, like yeah. I'm not, the Black Rocks and all these large institutions that are just buying up large swaths. And then, then you say, well, there's not enough inventory. Well, of course there's not enough inventory because you have Wall Street that's absolutely reducing the supply, right? So, I mean, that's an aside. I, I know I get technical. 
it's it's not an aside because there's this argument you'll hear from pundits that renting is good for you and it's fine. It's it's fine for a nation of renters. And I remember I can't remember his name because it was years ago, but a housing policy guy who said to me, let the meat rent. It's the take on the Marie Antoinette quote, let the meat cake before yeah. the, which she didn't actually say, but before the French Revolution. If you if you let the meat rent, then what 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 happens when people head toward retirement and they don't have a home to live in and they don't have an asset to to, to sell, and so I, I I don't think it's beside the point at, at all. It's really it's really worrisome. It's it is capitalism run amok because in the end, this is one of my there is really isn't any such thing as a free market. Every market depends on the rules that society and the government set up, and our government and society seem increasingly un willing to set the rules that to set healthy rules. And so I, 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 I worry about that a lot. I worry about it more than, you know, because like I said, you have these overinflated valuations on these homes right now. Then I, and they say, oh, the economy is doing well. Well, yes, because now I have, a, for example, myself, I'm a homeowner. Yes. I have a valuation that I don't necessarily believe it's there, but guess what I can do? Okay. I can go out and get a HELOC on my home. I don't have to use it. But I have excess excess liquidity in my home. I can just have that out sitting out there, not charging me any interest right now because I'm not necessarily using the HELOC. But I'm just taking advantage of appreciation of an asset that I think is overvalued. But hey, take advantage of it when it's there and, and see what happens. But you're absolutely right. Yeah. You have people going into retirement, not having an asset or renting, which basically kind of puts them in a bad situation. When we talk about financial planning, you want to have income, not outflow, <laughs> you know? So it's very, very important. So another question about this, like, and I know we're kind of getting off topic, but you mentioned some pretty big names in this book, right? And, and I'm not trying, I don't want to, you know, cast aspersions and, and say that anyone was wrong or right. But when I read these books, like you had a Joe Cassano, Stanley O'Neill, all these different names out there. Has there any, has there been any blowback for that? And, and I don't want to, and, if you don't feel like you want to talk about that, that's fine. But has there have they come have they has there any has there companies come out and said, hey, don't use my name in XYZ literature? Well, well, they can't because okay. we have a free press in this in this country, so they they can't do that. And I guess for better or worse, I've never been afraid of of blowback. I think as long as it's factual and it needs to be said, then uh, it then it needs to be said. Awesome, awesome. Uh, again. Uh, I wanted to say that because I mean, sometimes I get afraid when I mention someone on a podcast or something, I say, maybe I shouldn't talk about that person. I don't know because people get so scared these days on, on, on what, what, what the blowback could be in, in anything well, you say. Well, so speaking of tangents, I'm going to go on one. Good. I do think one of the core rules of old school journalism was that before you said something nasty about somebody, you had to give them a chance to respond. Yeah. And those are honestly the toughest calls to make is giving somebody a chance to respond, telling them what you're going to say to them. And I think that's a good rule for life and business and for everything you do. So if you're about to say something nasty about somebody, somebody on a podcast without having given them the chance to respond first, mm -hmm talk to you about it probably don't right that's that's a form of bullying in my view and, and it, but if you're gonna but if you're gonna call them before you mention them on a podcast and say hey just so you know this is what i think what do you have to say then you then you get to say it okay and i i appreciate that and thank you this has been enlightening you're tonight in these podcasts so i got a couple more questions for you the collaboration with with joe nacera like how yeah. how did that shape the narrative and research for the for the process of the book 
So Joe and I have worked together a lot. We were colleagues at Fortune back in the day, and he actually edited my first book um, on the failure of Enron, which I co-authored with a guy named Peter Elkind. It's called The Smartest Guys in the Room. And Joe edited that book. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're, and we just published a new book together, which you and your listeners should read called The Big Fail, um, what the pandemic shows about who America helps and who it, who it leaves behind. And oh. uh, it's a controversial book in some ways. You know what? You know what? That's a whole nother conversation because that is a whole nother get we may have to share some tears on that conversation, you know, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. That, 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 that's a whole nother book. So Joe and I know how to, how to work together. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we have a really healthy dynamic. Uh, and, and I'd say for anybody who's considering a co-author situation, you have to, you have to know your roles, you know, Joe, I think Joe is a better writer and storyteller and structurer of material than I am. And I'm good at figuring out what's, what's happened and, 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 and doing the research. And so if, if I give him something and he says, this isn't clear it's not well written i don't say what are you talking about i say all right let's, let's make it better and if i say i don't agree with the way you're thinking about this he'll say okay what what do you, what do you think so we have a very respectful relationship because we appreciate each other's skills i think I, so what did you in your writings and especially in this book what was your main takeaway from from the things that you've learned and what well i guess what 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 was one thing that you learned and what was your main takeaway from Hey, well, the, the the Wall Street's kind of a like a black box, and we need to open it up. So, I mean, what are some of your takeaways from that? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say my big takeaway, and it comes back to the start of our conversation and things that I worry about. It, in the end, when I look back on the financial crisis, I don't really see it as a financial crisis. I see it as a social crisis, and I think, I think. Act somewhat accidentally in my career, I've written about business gone wrong. And at first, when I wrote about Enron, I thought it was an anomaly. I thought this was it. We're never going to see anything like this before. Capitalism is great. Everything works beautifully. This was just something that went wrong. And after the financial crisis, I thought, uh-oh, this, this is much bigger. It, it's more systemic than that. And people have a right to be suspicious mm. of, 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 of how of how everything works. And I think that that's really problematic because we want to be able to believe in our system. We we want to be able to believe that it's that it's working for all of us. And I worry that the financial crisis, I call it a social crisis because it raised a lot of questions about how capitalism is working, how the economy is working. And I think those those are valid questions, but they so they so they they sow skepticism about 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 our world. And I guess I just wish people in power would realize that in the end, if they don't make the system work for everybody and they don't play fair, it's going to end really badly for everybody. And very badly because like, for example, and this is what I got out of the financial crisis is that, oh, you can have companies that are too big to fail. Yeah. So they can take on additional risk was it called? Yeah. Was they call it moral hazard or something like that? They, they could take on additional risk, and they know they're going to get bailed out. Signature Valley Banks, uh, First National, all this stuff can continue to happen. But guess yeah. what? We're going to borrow your money, yeah, and make sure we backfill all this stuff. So, 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 so the system works for you. But ultimately, yeah. we know who the system is working for. It's working for the people that took on the additional risk. And by the way, and I can, I want to ask you about this. Is there any recourse for people who have a failing business and they can walk away with these golden parachutes with like, like, for example, I had Joe Cassano of AIG left with $34 million of uninvested bonuses and consulting contracts worth 1 million a month. How, like, how is that possible? Right. right. So I, I, I 
So yes, to all of that. I'm and sorry. I, I, I get a little emotional. I apologize. No, I think I think that's that's so well said, and it's it's following up on on what I meant. But you say to Americans, you have to make it on your own. This is a country where you get what you put in, and you're 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 on your own, kid. To steal a line from a Taylor Swift song. Sorry, a yeah. daughter. <laughs> you're on your own. Kid. But then you say to big companies, "Oh, wait. If something goes wrong, we'll we'll fix it for you." So you're right to invoke Silicon Valley Bank because. That was actually a bailout of the venture capitalists. Mm -hmm. They all went to Congress and said, you need to bail out this bank. You need to bail out this bank because otherwise it would have gone under and the companies they were financing would have lost all their money. That was Domino a effect. Bank. And so they went to Congress and said, you can't let this thing fail. And that's, you know, that that's that's a really problematic double standard, right? And even there's one step even worse than that, which is they get to invoke all of us. They get to say, guess what? If you let us fail, we're taking it all down with us. So you can't let us fail. But but it ends up creating this very, this very, this very perverse system. And it's pretty easy to look at it and say, huh, there's something wrong here. And per your point about the money people made in the financial crisis from failure, it I come back to the idea of capitalism. I'm a capitalist in the sense that if you build a business and it provides jobs and it provides a service that people want and it's real, I don't have any problem with Jeff Bezos being a mega billionaire. He he built something. Mm. We can criticize Amazon or say maybe Amazon isn't good for the country, but th that, those are separate discussions. He built a real business um, and it works. I do have a real problem with a system that allows people to make tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollars from businesses that go belly up or from failure. I think there's something wrong with that. There's something inherently wrong with that. And again, I, but, but there's nothing inherently wrong with this discussion because I appreciate your time today. I mean, I think we're on the same wavelength here. I, I don't know what this is. This is and that maybe we, maybe I got a new friend all of a sudden. I don't know because we're speaking the same language and I, I can't wait. I can't wait to uh, read your next book. Uh, uh, when is it coming out? It, it came out this fall okay. um, and it's a somewhat, I think it's, <laughs> it's a somewhat controversial book, but it might actually, you actually, it might actually work for you because it is very skeptical of how the country handled the pandemic, including lockdowns. Um, um, very, very skeptical of that, but it is also somewhat skeptical of the ways in which capitalism has been practiced in this country and the ways it left us vulnerable to to a shock like 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 a pandemic. So it doesn't. <laughs> a few people who have read it have said to me, "I can't tell your politics. I don't know if you're right wing or left wing." And I said, "I'm I'm neither. I'm an I'm an I'm an independent thinker." Mm -hmm. But the problem with it is, is that if you're very ideological, it's bound to, to piss you off in one direction or the other. So anyway. <laughs> read it tell me tell me what you think and if you want to talk about it i'd love to do that absolutely I'm, i nothing pisses me off because i'm always just i'm in the center and i let my my knowledge of things kind of drag me one way or the other i'm not going to wake up one day and say hey i'm over here and this is where i'm at you know nothing like that but bethany last question um i appreciate your time today on the 90s podcast what would you tell your readers one thing they need to uh, i guess one takeaway we already talked about the takeaway you received what are some of the takeaways you think your readers will get from uh, the book, um, All the Devils Are Here? I think that it's, I, I have said in, in speeches uh, in the past that incompetence is worse than malevolence. Mm -hmm. And I think we tend to look at these in terms of the damage it does. And I think we tend to look at these um, 
these these people, these big figures, these billionaires, these huge companies and think, well, maybe they're evil, but for sure they're competent. And what the financial crisis shows is maybe they're evil and maybe they're incompetent too. And so I think don't, don't, don't put your, just because somebody has done something or has attained some status in life, don't put blind faith in them. Wow. And that whenever I see people say, well, Elon Musk has done this and this and this, so he must know what he's talking about on this front. Well, no, not 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 necessarily. Maybe he did this and this and doesn't have a clue what he's talking about on this front. And so we want to take these billionaires in our society and pretend that they give them give them godlike status. And don't don't do that. <laughs> Well, so you're saying you're against letting Elon Musk just shoot up rockets whenever he wants to? I mean, come on. And hey, there's not a con there's there's no congressional meeting. It's just like, hey, I'm just gonna go shoot up a rocket this week, twenty number twenty four, and no one says anything. Like I'm 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 shocked. Yeah. Well, I I'm not I'm not against. Elon Musk using his own money and money he can raise from investors to try to do something the government has become incompetent at. So I'm 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 okay with with all of that. I think he is a visionary in many ways. What I'm not okay with is then saying he can never say a wrong word or never be wrong about anything because because he's because he's done this. And I think we have we have a very simplistic view in our in our society. And often big institutions are big because they're big. It doesn't mean and they're they're competent well I, a, a famous man once said and i know if you've seen the movie um wesley snipes says money talk and runs a marathon and that's what it is money talks in our world and and this is just the way, way the world is and bethany i appreciate your time today thank you so much on, on 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 talking about your book talking about your new book coming out guys we talked about a wonderful wonderful book that i enjoyed during my, my my time off, it was All the Devils Are Here. Great, great book about the financial crisis. Talks about some of the intricacies you may not have known. Talks about ninja loans. Talks about all the different things. Some of the things that I took, took advantage of as a benefactor. But again, Bethany, thank you so much for your time today. And we appreciate you giving us 20 to 25 minutes to tell the story. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you guys for listening to the 980s podcast hosted by yours truly, Kevin Thompson. We had Bethany McLean of All the Devils Are Here, co-author of the great book. Good story about the financial crisis. Talks about all the intricacies of the financial crisis. I say you guys check that book out. It was a great, great read. She has an incredible perspective on how all that went down. A uh, very, very powerful story. I appreciate you guys sticking with us today. We're going to have more of these interviews coming down the pike. We have a lot of things coming down the pike. As you know, we're here to do what? Educate, empower, and engage. Thank you, Bethany, for, for this today. Stay humble. Stay safe, my friends. I'll see you again soon.